What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson, alongside my partner, Sterling Harris. Sterling, say what's up to the people. You what's good? Y'all know Muschamp got fired, so we can't wait to get into that. But before we get started, come on in the Sports House. All right, fellow people, thanks for tuning in to another episode. I think I said this before the music. Anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Big day in the Carolinas. We're going to start with uh, South Carolina losing to the Ole Miss Fighting Rebels with the final score of 59-42. I'm going to break this thing down. We're going to talk about offense, defense, then we'll go into the must champ stuff. But do you did you used to watch a college football final back in the day, like 2009, wherever Mark May and Lou Holtz? Lou Holtz and, and uh, Reese used to be, oh my gosh, that was the best show ever. Was I was listening show. to the theme songs before uh, this. I was thinking about it, I wanted to make that the extra music. And I think that's what I'm going to do anyway. But uh, remember they used to talk about helmet stickers? Yeah. Doggone Kevin Harris is getting his helmet sticker today. He had 25 <laughs> carries, 243 yards, five touchdowns, averaging 9.7 yards a carry for most teams if a running back's averaging five yards a carry that's pretty good right yes yeah, that's, that's that's overachieving <laughs> <Five yards a carry. laughs> 9.7 that's almost a first down every time he touched the ball did you, think the game, boy. did you think in this game that that was because the south carolina offensive line was moving people or is that because the old miss defense line was just terrible uh, i think i think south carolina's old line just showed up <laughs> it was moving people all night long and then um, that was given enough, enough time when he needed to bounce and get to the edge and get outside. And I think Ole Miss underestimated his speed a little bit, too, because he seemed like it was kind of wait for him. And then all of a sudden, he's flying by him. And then if he had to come downhill, he's going to run over you. So, uh, Sakon's Olaf just played a good game, you know, um, in the run game. So, how would you compare him to Nick Chubb? Ah, uh, no, nah, Chubb's still a different animal. <laughs> really? Chubb, Chubb, Chubb is like. I, I see the comparison because they were both big, bruising, like, backs. But I think Chubb had a little more wiggle to him when he was at Georgia. And he's still – I think he's his top-end speed is still faster than Harris's, but that doesn't mean Harris is, like, slower than things. I think Chubb is still – you know, Chubb's an NFL back for a reason. <laughs> and I think Harris can't be too, but Chubb was – there's a reason why, like, Nick Chubb, it was like, dang, Nick Chubb was sitting behind Todd Gurley? Like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Even and as great as Todd Gurley was, when Nick Chubb was playing, it's like, gosh, and Sonny Michelle can't get touches because Nick Chubb is playing. Like those are some great packs in Georgia. Like, so yeah, but I can they, see why the comparison is there. They had legit had a stable at that time. But one thing I was thinking about with this whole Kevin Harris situation, I feel like whenever we first heard that Boba Wilson was coming to play be the offensive coordinator, we thought like, okay, a running game, you know, kind of resembles Todd Gurley and those and that running back stable they had in at Georgia at the time. And it seems like it has actually oddly worked itself out. Now I cannot wait to figure out when that next year, what's the guy that was injured, I think towards ACL for South Carolina? Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd. How do you think he's going to fit with Kevin Harris? I don't know. It depends on who's coaching them. <laughs> yeah. We don't good. We don't know what's about to happen at this point. <laughs> it's so. all, hey, it's all up in the air. But I would say I uh, did want to acknowledge that whenever uh, Alabama played Ole Miss, Najee Harris had 23 carries for 206 yards and three touchdowns. 
And so I figured that Kevin Harris was going to have himself a day, but just not quite 25 carries for 243 yards. And also, I will mention, Shaw Smith had himself a day. He had 10 receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown. But now let's move to that Ole Miss offense. Matt Carell went 28 for 32 for 513 yards and four touchdowns. I think we have gotten too normalized to guys throwing for 500 yards. Like, that's normal. And 28 for 32. Now, I think he did have some more incompletions, but they were pass interference. They didn't count on the, uh, on the you know, the percentages and stuff like that. Yeah, one of them was that, bogus. <laughs> what you say? Was, the JC's PI was bogus. That was, I don't know what you want the man to do. Because <laughs> yeah, he was literally running with his hands. He was like, what more did you I want me to do? I don't know what you want JC to do in that situation. That's a bogus PI call, but continue on with the yeah. – Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to play a defensive back, and it's already a tough position because the receiver knows exactly where he wants to go. But yeah. for the Ole Miss receivers, Elijah Moore – 13 catches, 225 yards in the touchdown. Braylon Sanders at four catches for 141 yards. Here's what I'm going to say. If you're a recruit, you want to play receiver or quarterback in the SEC, SEC West to be specific, don't want to go to Bama and sit on the bench for three and a half years and maybe at some point get into the game or just transfer out, you take your behind Ole Miss. Lane <laughs> Kiffin is an offensive mastermind. Did you see when he threw up the uh, his plate feet in the air and took off running? Uh, I feel like that's the passion that we watch college football and love it for. I feel like Lane Kiffin was a really good fit at Ole Miss. What do you think? I think it, for right now, yes, because Ole Miss needed some juice in their program after, you know, the whole heat free situation. And they kind of, you know, they have to have Luke what was his name? Uh, Luke Fickle for a minute? Not Luke Fickle. Uh, who was it? Whoever the previous coach was. He's kind of just died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can't remember, I can't remember his name. But but Ole Miss, they just kind of needed like a bolt of energy in that program. But, you know, Kiffin being the dude who is almost unfair to, to try to have the game plan against him because, you know, you think you know defense if you're a defensive coordinator, but there's not a dude that knows defense more than Lane Kiffin because of his father. So it's like, what do you really do when the man can literally know all of your weaknesses and he's calling offensive plays? That's, yeah. that's a dangerous combination. I mean, like, Lane Kiffin's dad pretty much made the modern defense for what people are playing. So if there's any nuances or anything, any tips or tricks on how to kill it, he would know it. Just <laughs> – so it's, it's tough, but he seems to fit Ole Miss perfectly right now. They love it. And then you see the guys running wide open, and you can tell. Like as, as a matter of fact, the one the play I was talking about, where he threw his clipboard in the air. It was like he watched it. He watched it happen. He sees there's nobody even near because it's been schemed up so well, and it goes for six. And it just seemed like now you want to talk about the defense in this game from the busted coverages for South Carolina to the missed tackles for Ole Miss. It was a mess. It is crazy to see how the defenses in the SEC just are not what they at once was. Like, at one point, this was the defensive conference. Now, with all <laughs> these different off – well, not really that many different offenses, but it's just these spread things wherever you're getting the ball to these playmakers in space. The recruiting, as far as the skill position in the SEC, are through the roof at this point. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just – but it's so tough to even, you know, it's it's always going to be tougher to do defensive things, especially in a year like this with the pandemic. And, like, there's a lot of things defensively that go into communicating on the spot getting used to having that chemistry with your teammates. Where on offense, you're running the play. Like, you know what your route, what, what your job is on that play each time. But defense, there's so many moving parts because you have to adjust to every offensive 
you know, scenario that you see, like, as it happens, because if somebody goes out and goes in, you have to communicate that, and that chemistry has to be down, but in a year like this, where you can't really be as close to each other and, and talk as much, you know, in practice, and even before the season to get those checks in is, is really tough to call. <laughs> it's really tough to be a defensive player. Good point. So, I, yeah, I didn't even think about that because with no spring practice, fall camp was kind of iffy. A lot of the yeah. SEC programs had to stop practicing and go back and forth. It's literally like survive, but would you say that you think that next season, next fall, that the defense will be a little bit better? Oh, it depends on what's still going on by next fall, but if everything is, you know, relatively normal by next, you know, spring – slash and going into summer and fall ball, I expect defense to be uh, back to where they were in SEC across the board, just just because all the time and preparation it takes to communicate, know your checks, know how you're switching off, and um, just the chemistry aspect of defense is a lot of talking. Offensive players aren't talking as they're running. <laughs> yeah. you know, unless, they're, unless they're offensive linemen. That's, that's the only group that really got to say anything when they're doing anything, but outside of that, they kind of know what they're doing, quarterback audibles or whatever, you know, OC audibles to whatever. They know what they're going to do. Defense, as is happening, you have to know what your assignment is and how that, you know, how that switches off as the play is developing. So I think it should be better next year if they get more time and can be closer and everything like that. So, Speaking of, when you were talking about uh, defenses, the offense not really communicating quite as much, it's kind of crazy because I remember when I first saw, I don't know if it was Gus Malzahn or Chad Morris first with the big signs on the sideline. And it was like, once that kind of got established, the quarterbacks really didn't even have to do as much talking because everybody's over there looking to get the sign. The receivers are already lined up. There's no... I think Clemson started it. I think Clemson and... um, Yeah, I think Morris and Malzahn kind of started that that trend where, you know, like I think Clemson did it with Boyd and... um, and uh, Malzahn did it, of course, with I think Cam Newton, where it's just, all right, we're going to go up, dummy count them, you yep. know, which is basically basically just a fake count for everybody out there. It's just a fake count to just see what the defense is in. Turn, look at the sign. Everybody knows what it is. All right, snap. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's that simple. I always love to see whenever you're watching the program, guys like Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, you see those guys get on a knee. And they tell the guy, and, it, and that's really kind of interesting to see now that it's been so long since you've seen the huddles. But you used to have a couple teams huddling, but like I said, for the majority. And one thing also, Carolina went back to the I formation this week. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see that, especially against Ole Miss. Oh, I'd love to see that. I thought Harris really could have went for eight touchdowns, you know, this game. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the brink of going for eight, and he could have had 300-something plus yards rushing. It was, it was amazing to see. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was really happy that he played really well. Like, I've had some, you know, he seems like a cool dude, you know, was they they told a story on the broadcast about how he almost didn't get offer and everything and just to see him like you know thrive is like just really good thing to see. So yeah, uh, stars really aligned for him this year and he's really just taking the uh taking his chance and roll with it. But y'all y'all know we were gonna talk about the Will Muschamp situation. So let me get out the logistics. He was fired today. Word got out about seven o'clock of Bruce Edelman, I wanna say of Feldman Edelman, uh from what was that? The athletic was the first one who that was logistically like the guy. And I was like, okay, I think this is true. But the Spurs up show had been saying earlier on the day that there was going to be a team meeting at like four o'clock or a, a coaches meeting. And so I was like, yo, this is actually happening. Like this might actually happen today. I thought that he was going to lose a job last year after losing the app state on senior night. That's when I thought it was done, but he hung on in there, kept collecting his money. But Muschamp did end up with a final record at USC of 28 and 30. Um, in five seasons. Do you remember whenever you first heard that he was hired? 
I think I did. I I, I I don't exactly recall like exactly what I was doing, but I do remember like you know them officially coming with the announcement of the year. I think that was a year after uh, Spurry had resigned, of course, and and um uh what's his name, Coach Elliott had coached for uh, the rest of that year and everything, and you know was going through the whole QB search. But I don't recall what I was doing, but I do remember him be you know kind of when he got hired and everything. Yeah, because I remember at that time, the big thing around USC was the program need to be disciplined again. I've heard some stories from former players and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, we Will Muschamp is supposed to be a disciplinary coach. I'm looking at his track record at Florida and his time at Auburn. I'm like, okay, maybe he can be the guy. And the thing about the University of South Carolina is the facilities are top notch. Now, oh, Brandon, yeah. and I'm sure you're going to give more opinion on as far as how it's kind of a tough spot being in between the Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, et cetera. But it's a great spot. You got a loyal, yeah, pretty loyal fan base. Fan base been experiencing losses for a while here and just keeps on keeping on. And you got the facilities and stuff. You got everything you need. You just need to win. But uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is like, this is a tough situation because he has been played with, you know, injuries. It seems like as soon as he showed up and, you know, I think he had the same issue at Florida. Like he had a really good QB at Driscoll and then he had towards ACL, you know, in those years when they thought they had a chance at Florida. Um, I think one of, was it a year at Auburn when they, when they uh, went on a run at the end of the year and I think beat Bama maybe at his time at Auburn too? I know they might've been there. Yeah, but but here in South Carolina, it's just kind of been like, you know, injury after injury after injury, like uh, Debo Samuels, you know, breaking his leg, you know, two plays after going for 97 yards or, or whatever it was on Kentucky on a slant route, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that year when, you know, it seemed like we couldn't do no wrong. And then, you know, the next year just having, you know, you know, some tough losses going to Florida, having a really good game and just, you know, just not be able to close it out. Um, but, I, you know, it's and the other thing was like recruiting is like, it's kind of tough, but you kind of touched on it with being between like where you are. You got a team in Clemson that, you know, is basically knocking out the park with recruiting. Florida's below you. Georgia's to the right of you. It seems like UNC's now maybe on the way there. And then you, it's just, it's so tough, you know, even though the facilities have just gotten here, it's like, okay, we got everything we need. It's still very tough to try to like compete with all those schools. And at the same time, try to, uh, try to like pick up the crumbs of the of this of the end of the Spurrier area when he kind of just kind of up to left you know midway through the season and everything yeah. so and that's a tough thing to, and it's, it's really tough to try to get guys to buy in when it's like well how long are you really going to be here when every year you know as much as we love our fan base every year it's like all right get him fired like you know <laughs> or, 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 or make sure he's gone it's like how you gonna how can you walk into a recruit's house and and all the, and, you know, how social media is nowadays and everything they see on social media is like, dang, these fans really, like, <laughs> hated you. <laughs> like, how am I, like, how can you try to convince the crew I'm going to be here, you know, for this amount of time and we're going to build something that every time they look on the internet is, oh, get them out of here, fire them, you know, and get back those type of guys to buy in and stay in the you know, program for a minute. So it's, it's, a, it's a really tough job, man. Hey, the premier sports talk show around South Carolina, at least like definitely for podcast league, is the Spurs Up show. And they literally have Fire Must Champ t-shirts. So oh, it can, I can definitely see how it could be kind of hard now. But I have noticed South Carolina players have definitely been riding with them. 
uh, some of them actually been liking some kind of controversial tweets, and it's like, y'all, we probably need to get off social media for real. <laughs> <laughs> we probably really need. To I haven't seen media. those yet, but you know they are with social media. I mean, I... you want, let's go ahead and read them out loud because uh, we got some time for it today. There was one in particular that I had to screenshot because I was like, this is interesting. So <laughs> here we go. Here, these are for some current players. Somebody tweeted out since 1892, South Carolina has made seven seats has had seven seasons where they had nine or more wins. That seven seasons is in nearly 140 years. Muschamp has one of those. Can everyone please stop acting like South Carolina has been a perennial top 10 power for 100 years? Now, yeah. I see that tweet. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Israel and Jalen Brooks I retweeted it. What? <laughs> I don't, bro, I don't even. <laughs> How do you retweet? To your fan base, can we please stop acting like South Carolina has been a perennial top 10 power? When I saw that, I said, y'all have got, I don't care who this next coach is, y'all have got to get the social media ban up because we cannot <laughs> handle it. You remember like, you know, growing up, you get in trouble. Your mom's like, give me that phone because you just can't handle it. That's how I feel about <laughs> That's how I feel about our team and the social media accounts. These dudes retweet, like, whatever. They're going to go at you in the middle of the season. It do not. And then it was so funny. Remember when Shy Smith had that catch uh, against Auburn? And then one of the fans was like, Shy, act like you've been there. He's like, I have it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, like I said. Man, one thing you know about them boys, they're going to talk. They're going to talk. They talk. They will say what's on their mind. And make sure you, you hear about it. I cannot wait, but since we're talking about it, and by the way, Bobo will be the interim coach, which is crazy because he comes from Colorado State getting fired, and well, no, did, did Colorado State fire him or did he leave the job? I think he just kind of left. I think he left. I think they were happy. Both were happy to part ways. It was a mutual, was a mutual part. <laughs> I think it was a mutual part. Uh, you know, departure. So yeah. <laughs> he got what he wanted. They got what they wanted. You know, so it's all fine. <laughs> and so now he's the head coach of South Carolina for three games. But I think it's safe to say that they will be finding them a coach. Now here, here I got some did some research on who is guys they might be looking to hire. One guy is Billy Napier from the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. The Raging Calhouns, I think, is their name. He's eighteen. Cajuns, Cajuns. He is eight. But y'all, the information is good. The pronunciation is off. Stay tuned in. He's 18 and four in the past two seasons. I remember him from being the offensive coordinator at Clemson right before they hired Chad Morris. Uh, right after Clemson, that was Taj Boyd's one of his first starts in the bowl game, the Music City Bowl, I want to say. Whichever one, it was Monarchy Carrot Car Care Bowl. It was in Charlotte. Couldn't beat University of South Florida. So Dabo Sweeney out went out went out and got Chad Morris. So that's how I remember him. Tony Elliott's another one they're kind of throwing out there. I don't really know if that one will work out. But the one that I want, and I mean, I would hope be happy to get Tony, but the one that I want is Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is the one that I want. He's, they're, they're 8-0 right now. Liberty, I remember whenever, because I was at one of my cousin's graduation, she was at Liberty. And I was like, oh yeah, Hugh Freeze is here. And he has turned that program all the way around. Last year, I think he was either sick or had surgery or something like that. And he was coaching he was from coaching. the movement. Yeah, I, I think he had a surgery, so they was going to move into the little hospital bed. I think. <laughs> that thing was crazy. But, yo, but what he did at Ole Miss, first of all, he was our strength and conditioning coach at USC now, was with him at Ole Miss. What he did in his years there, you talk about Lermy Tunzel, Evan Ingram, Lacan, Cherwell, Chad Kelly beating Alabama routinely. Robert can beat Yeah, I've been to beat him twice in a row. Yes. I've been to beat him two years in a row. And I remember because I one year I was, you know, I follow recruiting very heavily. And 
I saw like six four stars and five stars going to Ole Miss, and I'm like, why are y'all going to Oxford? There is oh, they had the ah, uh, oh, they had the twins, the Kendichi twins, the Kendichi, or not twins. the twin or the Kendichi brothers. Uh, yeah, they're oh man, yeah, I mean, because at one point, Mark, sharks. Because at one point, Robert was committed to Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, because they were all coming out of Grayson. So, I think Hugh Freeze is the guy for the job. What are your thoughts? Uh, Hugh Freeze just signed an extension with Liberty. <laughs> so, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sorry. But... You don't think there's any chance he takes the job to get back in the SEC? Look, the, here's my thoughts on coaches and, and when they make decisions, okay? If we're just finding out today that Mustang was, was going to be fired, I'm sure Hugh Freeze had an idea or a contact within the organization. Cause it, I mean, they do intertwine and people do know do know people inside of each, you know, place. And I think he would know, uh, you know, have an idea or a sense of what might happen at the end of this year, uh, which would not lead to him signing an extension if he was wishing to pursue that job or thought he was going to get that job at any point in time. So him signing the extension kind of shows me he probably knew something was going to happen, but at the same time, he either didn't want to pursue the job and, or or didn't feel whatever it was. Him signing that extension shows me I don't think he really wanted the job. If you but if he, Now, if he's to come, okay, of course, that's wrong, but that's just my synopsis with that. It's like you signed an extension last week <laughs> when all these rumors are starting. I know you know somebody. You called somebody. If you really <laughs> think about You could call somebody, you know, Kind of like how Kirby and, and Georgia, how that whole thing uh, worked out. But, um, you know, I think uh, you said Billy Napier and um, and maybe Tony Elliott. Yeah. I mean, I would love Tony Elliott to get an opportunity. He's been he's been doing great at Clemson. And, but Billy Napier is probably, I'd say, probably the number one guy just because he's shown that he could, you know, he's been around a lot, um, learned under, you know, great coaches before getting his, you know, opportunity at Louisiana. He's really turned that program around. And, you know, at this point in time, in a situation where we could be going into a sort of rebuild stage, just because of the fact that, you know, Muschamp's gone and players love playing for him. So you can see either people enter the draft really super early, you know, earlier than expected, or guys decommit from the university because they're not going to be playing for him and, and stuff like that. Uh, you got to kind of bring a, a guy that that you've seen is established and building something and that can build it from the ground up. So I think he's probably going to end up being the guy, most likely. And I could see where uh, a couple of sisters from Coastal that, you know, have USC, you know, bloodlines basically um, from playing there and everything, like some of the position coaches, you know, joining him to try to get the USC, uh, get the USC culture back into in, to the football facility and then build it that way. I could see a scenario like that, but I think Billy Napier is probably number one on, number one on everybody's list at this point in time. Yeah, and the thing about Billy Napier is that he did spend some time under Nick Saban at Alabama, and you know how the University of South Carolina loves thinking of himself as a program like Bama, being that they brought in the strength and conditioning coordinator who didn't really make it happen that was fired about a year back. But, yeah, so, y'all, definitely watch out for that. I, oh, I honestly was not – what's up? Can we please stop this, Joe Brady? Which, can we stop it? Okay, Joe Brady – is living the dream, sitting or or walking up and down the NFL sideline, having to do nothing but call plays, okay? He is not going to come to South Carolina and have to deal with recruiting and boosters and fan. No. <laughs> Joe, Brady, Joe Brady ain't won a national championship at calling plays and went to the NFL to call plays to come back and, and be a college head coach. No, that's no, <laughs> it's not happening. Stop. Stop the Joe Brady talk. Stop it. Stop it. Forget <laughs> about it. It's not happening. Stop it. 
because I heard his name mentioned really quick. Oh my gosh, I'm just like, no. Because <laughs> he just left college football, just left all that recruiting, all that foolishness. Now, like you said, all he has to do is call plays for Teddy Bridgewater, get that offense rolling. And it's like this to go back to this. Nothing. <laughs> he ain't got to develop no talent. He ain't got, all he got to do is pitch his name in the hat for who he want to draft on draft night and then call and go back home. He ain't got to do no traveling. <laughs> nothing. Man is chilling. He's not coming. I'm sorry. He's not. <laughs> Hey, so just get that out your mind, South Carolina fans. So Joe Brady will not be in Columbia, South Carolina. Something to look forward to. It's also really cool how they do the coach, the meetings and as far as the interviews and stuff. I remember USC's athletic director. Why am I forgetting his name right quickly? What's his name? Tanner. Yeah, Tanner was talking about before they met up in Charlotte and stuff like that. And they, they tried to be real secretive with it. But his job on the line, too. So he need, this needs to be a good hire. Like this is for real. Cause if he escapes this one, it's gonna be a slick one. But he needs to get it, he needs to get the guy. But at the University of South Carolina, what do I know what fans want? Fans want to play an SEC championship game. But realistically speaking, what do you think is the what do you think that they could expect? I mean, I expect a I'm not gonna say winning program because that's the bar for everybody. But I, I don't believe that there I, – I do believe that there's no reason why we can't be uh, an SEC championship a year team or at least appearance in the title game, you know, at least one or two years, you know, every other series, whether you want to flip-flop with Georgia or Florida. I just don't – I just don't see why. You're in a state like South Carolina that I think breeds, really, you know, really good football talent. You're right next to states like Georgia – that breeds those big monsters that you want to put up front, up line, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, that breeds those type of big linemen. And then Florida's where you get, where you get all your track stars from. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of um, where you can pull talent from, the way you can combine, you know, and, and, and build a team. I think there's no reason why they can't do it uh, at South Carolina, especially with the new facilities um, and the way that the fan base drives. I think one thing about a football school is like you have to have a fan base that's driving and like wanting you to succeed. You know, you can't be at a place like Vanderbilt. You know, no offense to Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt, they, they know they're not going to win realistically. You know, nobody's hoping or, or pushing that they do win realistically, but USC fans, as crazy as they are, they they are hungry for excellence and, and at least some sort of consistency in terms of um, how you play, even like how you lose, like, are you losing? And is it because, you know, there's, you know, freakish stuff going on or is it because, you know, you're losing because you're just playing bad and you look discombobulated, like stuff like that. But they do care. And I think you need that at a program like USC um, that's kind of in the middle of all these powerhouses, and especially with that big rival up north, <laughs> Clemson. You kind of need that there. But I, I don't see why we can't be an SEC title game, you know, every one or two years, you know, in a cycle with Georgia and Florida. I don't see why not. We seem to play with them every time we, you know, play them. It's not like we, we can't play with them. It's just got to win the game. Yeah. Okay. With the rise of Tennessee starting, well, kind of starting to look better, but definitely the rise of Florida and Georgia, I say SEC championship game one in every three to four years. I think it's crazy. It's been 10 years since the last one, whenever Cam those guys went on the run. And now Cam has been in the league for a minute. So fans, Marcus Lattimore never got hurt, man. But I will say one thing that's going to be very big, I'm sure, once the new coach gets hired, and I'm sure if he takes a peek into what this program has been lacking is getting those former players back involved. Because mm. the former players at the University of South Carolina really want to be involved, but they just feel like they've been, they've been pushed out consistently. 
I mean, we've seen Savelle Newton, Tori Gurley, guys kind of from like the, I guess the OG era of USC, you know, winning football. Um, they kind of felt, I think, excluded from the process of everything going on. And uh, I think, you know, that's that's kind of a, you know, it could not be true, but if you're always having these kind of public disputes, you know, social media and I was talking about recruits, it looks bad, you know, to, to the, to the eight to the 17 16 year old dude that's like wow so what if I go to the school things don't pan out what am I am I gonna be able to you know be appreciated for the time and work I put in here like you know stuff like that it looks bad optically so I think you know we need to work on kind of building that you know that USC brotherhood I feel like inside out you know you look at Bama and you know Ingram still going to games you know Richardson all those boys that play that Bama still going to games Clemson it seems like they they can't get enough of going to a Clemson football game and they making millions of dollars in a week it's like it's very hard to find a former or, or a big group of USC players, you know, always come back to, to watch them play on a consistent basis. So I think we do need to build that back up in the program to try to get that, build that relationship back up with the former brand and, and push it to the new in the future. Yeah, so hopefully they'll get that started because like you said, that is a major thing in recruiting. So especially yeah. literally when you can see the team in the upstate and they got lockers at the Clemson facility, former players. But hey, let's keep it moving right here where we always highlight a quarterback. And I mean, I guess we kind of highlighted the old Miss quarterback. But the one I really wanted to highlight today was Sam Howell and his performance against Wake Forest. Now it is Wake Forest. North Carolina did beat them with the final score of 59 to 53. But Sam Howell went 32 for 45, 550 yards, six touchdowns, and one touchdown on the ground. So huge day for him. If you like points, this season for college football has been great for you. I think I looked at a stat the other day. I think uh, Ohio State's averaging 48 points a game. Like, the points are being thrown. And right now, we are. if you can throw the – parents, if you listen to this, if your kid can throw the ball, if he looked like he can throw the ball, get him to play baseball and get him into some football. There's quarterback training all over the place because right now there's a great need for great quarterback play because and they're all over the place too. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's – it's it's crazy what's going on in college football this year. It's not like everybody can go into the draft. <laughs> yeah, there's still, there's still people that's not even playing this year that opted out. That you're like, good lord, like Trey Lance and Jamie Newman. You're like, oh my lord, if he was playing college football right now. But it seems, I mean, points and, and Sam Howell specifically is just like, you know, we kind of knew no problem would be high power. But I, the thing about Sam Howell that's impressed me the most about this year is usually when you come off a high, and you know, of course, I think they finished like 500 last year, but. You know, expectations were so high this year. And then you have the stumbles in the row like they had against Florida State. You you know, and you're a sophomore quarterback. You're like, dang, I thought it was supposed to be like, you know, supposed to roll this year. You don't expect that guy, unless he is, you know, the real deal, to really respond to that and keep putting up great games. And I think we've seen that from Sam Howell, where he's responded to adversity very well throughout this whole year. So, you know, props to him and props to him for leading them back. Because Wake Forest is beating them pretty good. And, and you know, he, you know, they just kept the train rolling and, and do that to do to come back and win that game. So, yeah, so big day for North Carolina. Still, like I said, it seems like Notre Dame will represent the ACC as a, as a team going against Clemson. But hey, still keep fighting. You know, everybody can go to a bowl game this year. So, that's going to be crazy yeah. to see. And I'm just going to talk about Kyle Trash real quickly here for the University of Florida. He was 18 for 22 for 285 yards and five touchdowns at halftime. I, I was like, wait, hold on, at halftime. Yes. Florida got the win over Arkansas. I think it's crazy that the reason Kyle Trask even started getting in the game 
for Florida was because Felipe Frank got injured last year. I don't yeah. think anybody – did you watch that game last year, the opener, Florida State? Bert, oh, man, that was Florida. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Felipe Frank hey. was the face of college football after that. Yeah, Steve, oh, my God. Was Steve Spurrier getting the look after the pick? <laughs> you know, he's looking like, oh, God, that's that's a guy. I know. Yeah. I had a guy like that. I, I Hey, look, Steve was looking like – I had a guy like that one time. And, uh, you know, he beat me. He, he got me to beat Bama, but <laughs> the next year I had to get rid of him. <laughs> we, we all know who that guy is, you know. But, he, you know, Felipe Franks is he's, – he's a character, man. He's a character. Yeah. But he's one of those dudes you love to play with them and you hate playing against them unless you – no, on defense you love playing against them. But as a teammate in general, you love playing with them, you know. Right, right. But but if you're an opposite team, you just kind of hate the guy because of how he is. But you love to play with that. You love to play with a guy like that that carries himself that way, you know. So yeah, because he is the starting quarterback for Arkansas, so he was looking to get his revenge in that game. That was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it moving. <laughs> the Ohio State big game this week. They face four and zero Indiana, who's a number nine ranked team in the country. Who would have predicted before the season that the big game for Ohio State would not be Michigan, would not be Penn State, it would be Indiana. Indiana ranked number nine in the country. That don't even sound right unless you're talking about basketball. But that (laughs) will be the the noon game on Fox. Joel Clapp will be in the booth. I'm looking forward to it. Y'all know I'll be wearing my my Ohio State apparel. Shout out Justin Fields. Need another one this week. Uh, We'll see if Michael Penix, he's the quarterback of Indiana, if he can get this thing going. And uh, you think Indiana may be able to get the upset, or do you think that Ohio State runs through? I feel very, 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 very sad for Indiana on Saturday. <laughs> um, you know, it's one thing to play Ohio State; it's another thing to play them after they get a virtual bye week because of COVID. Um, that just puts you in a very, very tough situation. Uh, number one, number two. You know, as good as Indiana's played, and you know, they I, I don't really think they beat Penn State because I don't think that the guy really got the ball over. But hey, you know, they won the game, they put themselves in position to win the game, and they did what they do to win the game. Um, we've seen Michigan is abysmal this year, and I, of course, I've, I've said this whole year like rankings are flawed right now. Like the fact that the SEC big it, all the conferences didn't start on time, and that there are still teams that aren't playing, rankings are very flawed. Indiana in the in the right situation in a in a perfect world even at four and zero this year with the way that Penn State's played Michigan's played you know teams they've beaten um, would not be ranked ninth in the country they'd be ranked probably around the twenty third twenty second area <laughs> even with that because Michigan has played so bad because Penn State has played so bad um, it's like your wins don't come up to that caliber and I think we'll see. They'll end up. They'll be the the uh, Big Ten's version of Miami in ACC. You know, when Miami played Clemson, I came over here and I was like, I mean, Clemson's gonna kill them. <laughs> Miami's a fake number five rank. <laughs> they wouldn't be ranked five if everything started, you know, normal and people were actually playing games. So um, now, do I hope they put up a good fight? You know, of course, because I think you know this could show at least in terms of their program, they could try to get it, you know, steamrolling. But I think Ohio State's gonna run over them. Especially after the bye week, it's just not fair. That's just not fair. <laughs> it's like if you had any injuries, now they've healed up. They're ready to go. They're, those guys are licking at the top today. They waited so long to get started to playing at Ohio State, yeah. so they're ready to go. But we're going to fly through these NFL games here really quickly. The Panthers lost to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's back on his magic. The Texans, my Texans lost 10-7. to 7. I'm oh, so over us, man. And then to, to flip the chip. 
to see DeAndre Hopkins, the game-winning kick, <laughs> three Buffalo defenders, and they got a defensive backfield. And to know that guy was on our roster last year, we were in the AFC Championship game beating the Chiefs with a great lead, and look at us now. We can't nobody but the Jaguars. And, you know, that catch, as soon as I saw that catch, I don't know what the kids say nowadays, but I remember we used to be like Moss, you know, whenever you go up on, yeah. the, on the playground. It was a Moss. It was a Moss. So D-Hop definitely did what he needed to do there. But it's a quick turnaround for the Arizona Cardinals. They play Seattle on Thursday night. Do you think – okay, before I even go there, this is why the NFL players are so sick of it. They, the NFL keeps saying that we're doing what's in the best interest of the players, and we care about the safety and stuff. But the NFL players, like, y'all do not because – we just played a really tough game here. Seattle just lost, as a matter of fact, uh, 16-23 to the Rams. Yeah. Those guys got to get to practice tomorrow, right? Yeah. Because they, got, they <laughs> yeah. got two, and they got walkthroughs Wednesday. Then next thing you know, you're right back up there. Richard man. Sherman said, man, by Tuesday, I'm really just getting started to be able to walk around the house. Yeah, think about it. They still have to fly to the – they have to fly to whoever state they're playing at. So, I think Arizona got to fly to Seattle. And they could do that either the day before. So that take that cuts into your time. It's just that's just brutal. Thursday night football is brutal. <laughs> right after, like I said, and then this ain't like just like an ordinary job. This is physical contact, play after play, and you gotta get ready to go. And so some people be like, oh, well, they get paid a lot of money, but it's like, yo, this is physically taxing. They need that oh, week yeah. to recover. Yeah. So that, that I think what they need to do is every team whenever they have a Thursday, I think they do this and that's kind of built in where like every Thursday night game that team now gets a bye week like after that Thursday night game technically because they don't play they won't play until the next Sunday, but it's still so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good deal if they need to try to move to that, especially now they're trying to expand the season, potentially expand the playoffs and all that stuff. At this point, I think somebody said it best. It's like you can just make it to the playoffs healthy like if you can if you're just not hurt too bad you got a chance because for the most part everybody is hurt it just to what extent so that's the big thursday night game going on this week you think it's gonna be as good as the last one? Oh, uh it's tough i think it will be as good as the last one i think seattle will win because russell's just had two bad games back to back um i don't see him doing having three bad games back to back something's going to quit for the offense eventually for sure it's russell. just a matter of time you can almost bet on russell wilson responding so that so prediction you got the seattle I'm probably going to go, do I want to go with Seattle or I want to go with Arizona? I mean, let's think about it. Arizona won that game in overtime, and it still took him how many plays to get that win? As bad as Russell Wilson even played that game. He played phenomenal, but he had some really bad mistakes. But as bad as those mistakes were, it still took him overtime in an extra possession to win that game by field goal. I'm betting my money on Seattle. (laughs) And it's a divisional matchup. So, y'all, the the Sterling's gave y'all the betting take for that game. Sunday night game. (laughs) The Ravens did, in fact, lose to the Patriots, which is a little bit surprising, 23-17. And now the Ravens fall three games behind the Steelers. What happened? Um, It just came down to Bill Belichick still being the best coach <laughs> in football. I mean, let's just think about the Patriots, man. Injuries, um, opt-outs. You, you look around, and, and Cam Newton is somehow manufacturing an offense with basically basically centered around um, one kind of found receiver, it feels like, in Jacoby Wright right now, and screen passes to running backs. <laughs> you know, in terms of the passing game, and then, of course, you know how they do when they, you know, clock management and run the football, but the Patriots are always prepared. This is a game. It got really wet, um, like, like very wet, like midway through the game. Um, 
And the Patriots just found a way, which is what they, you know, with great coaches and great and great teams end up doing in organizations. They just find a way through the worst circumstances. He's always going to be the most prepared. He's always going to know what to do, how to do it. Um, they managed to, to limit the Ravens' possessions as you know as, as much as possible, and they and they capitalized when they had the chances. So that's how the Patriots got to win games this whole year, and that's how they're still a threat. If they can go on a on a run and sneak into the playoffs, they're the scariest team to play. You don't want to play the Patriots in the playoffs at all. Even as bad as they look, you know, at times you don't want to. You don't want to have to play against that team. Real quickly, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Who is the most important piece of their dynasty? Belichick. Bill Belichick over Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady ain't there. Belichick don't take him. Hmm. I was. I would guess one would say the Tom Brady. But see, the weird thing about this is Tom Brady has such a good roster around him now. That you really wouldn't. It's not like he went to a scrub team and it's like, okay, he's having to show you what he can do. Like he's got an amazing. Oh no, they gave him. I mean, he got gift wrapped a, a roster in Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, I agree. Bill, but but Belichick. I mean, we gotta remember Belichick when Brady was winning, he built those rosters around him too. Defensively, uh, having the people he had defensively to limit and just say, Tom, I just need you to get three touchdowns for me. And we'll win the game. Just give me three. <laughs> just, I just need three. <laughs> take care of everything else but y'all that is all we have on this week's episode of matt sports house be sure to follow sterling come on tell these people your twitter name be sure to follow oh, sterling on twitter yeah i'm uh what is my twitter handle actually i don't know this thing by heart but uh follow me uh sterling underscore 25 um that's my twitter handle i i complain about roughing the passer a lot on there when it comes to nfl games so yeah <laughs> you want to see you want to see somebody complain about roughing the passer and unnecessary roughness and all the ridiculousness with not even be able to play football anymore uh follow me on twitter you'll see my rants and make sure to interact <laughs> with them retweet and like it yeah it's funny sometimes <laughs> i'll be scrolling on twitter be like what's the okay and then i go click it. dude did you see the roughing the passer that they gave tampa bay today and I'm a Panthers fan, but my God, what do you want the man? The dude came on a free blitz, hit Teddy clean, rolled to the side, and they still gave him a rough in the past. I'm like, okay, I don't know what you want to do. It's almost like, impossible. They're trying to protect the quarterback so much at this point. It's like it's impossible to play defense. You cannot like be going full speed. It might just stop all of a sudden. And what Trent Dilfer said something that was crazy. I was listening to a podcast that he was on, and he said when he played football, if the quarterback slid, he still got teed off on. And he's like, oh, if you yeah. watch this game now. Now, it is if you like I said before, if you have a son that looks like he can throw the ball play because he's going to I mean, of course, he's going to take a couple big hits. But for the most part, he goes out and run. He's going to slide down. If he gets hit at all, they're throwing the flags and they're starting to work that thing all the way up from like the high school level, too. Yeah, it's, it's just not. I think he said he used the defensive players used to play by the means of like take the head off the snake or keep <laughs> at some point he won't want to play anymore. So yeah, I remember when the days was keep your head on a swivel and blindside blocks were legal. Now it's oh okay, you can just run, you know, blindly because if you if you get touched by somebody that you don't see, I mean they have to put their hands up and kind of hit you with the side. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not those days where it's oh you better keep your head on the swivel, you're gonna be laying on the ground for a good ten minutes. Yeah. I actually preferred it back then, but I get it. The concussion movie, y'all go watch a Will Smith concussion movie. He's yeah. in it was a good one. Uh, but yeah, like I said, y'all, that's all we got. If you're looking for a good high school game to check out this week, South Point AC floor should be a good one. I was out there at Camden, Brooklyn, Casey, which was what I would say an instant classic. Brooklyn Casey did lose though, in fact, in Camden. Camden's undefeated, so great matchup to see right there. We'll bring you back. We'll be back next week with all the information and all that good stuff. Make sure you follow the show's Instagram account. 
I have a Twitter account. It's not as popping. Instagram is crazy. At Matt Sports House, the S, two S's right there. So Matt Sports House. Like I said, follow me on Instagram. We're going to keep this thing moving. Sterling, thanks for coming on another week. That's all we have for today. Peace. Peace.